Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We all know somebody who's gone through a trying time and we even know people that have gone through a series of trying times. Well, you're about to meet somebody who's had it rough. I mean, had things happen to her that just the one thing could be a struggle and she's managed to get through it and she's written a couple of great poetry books about those. One is Writing Down Cancer. The other is Born Child. Her name is Carol Anderhagen, and she is with us today. Carol, these are fascinating books, but I wanted to know first of all, and we're going to go through your whole background and so forth, but is it difficult when you're writing that to relive those times, or was it kind of enhancing the soul? Because when you look at it, wow, I've gotten through a lot of things and managed to have a successful life. Um, it's been... It's been um not not difficult because in in the writing is where I find how I feel and how I resolve my feelings. That's what works for me. Well, that's good. So it's sort of cathartic then, in in a bit, right? Yes, it's it's, it's cathartic, and then I see and I can share with other people. Now, what what started me down this road to want to talk about this publicly is the pandemic and the lockdown. I was as a child taken from a wonderful foster home. Um, the last of many that were not good, um, but I was taken from this one wonderful foster home, plunked into an orphanage in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, so along comes, you know, many years go by, I get a lot of help with the issues I have. And along comes the lockdown, and I started sleepwalking and sleep eating, almost burned my house down, uh, turning on my stove. And finally, I said to myself one night, what is going on with you? And I said, immediately I knew the answer. I was having an episode of PTSD, um, going back psychologically into the orphanage. Boy, it makes so much sense. And that's what I got out of them. When I thought about this, I thought, you know, we as a country need to read this because I think a lot of us did go through that with the pandemic and it brought up things from the past that we didn't even realize are, is happening. And it was such a difficult time because we're right. not meant to be lonely like that and be isolated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had no idea really until that happened that how much how much I really do depend on family and friends to have a life. That's, that's life for me, is family and friends. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's why it resonates with people that read it is you realize, hey, this applies to a lot of uh, applies to a lot of things. And you know, first of all, your upbringing was really difficult, as you said. Uh, it's just I got to feel at an age like that, where you're talking about age seven, age eight, and so forth, you right. probably question everything, right? Because why am I in this? I mean, you're thinking like, gee, you know, you, you meet other people and so forth. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, this was during. I was born in 1940. Um, so I'm, but I'm kind of can be said to be an old lady now, but I'm a, um, a young old lady. Um, <laughs> I hope I sound it anyway. You do, you do. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, and in, 19, in, in those years, there were three A's, one never discussed. Abortion, 
adoption and alcoholism. And I had two of them in my life. I was an adopted child, and I had no help with processing that. So, of course, who did I blame for that? I blamed myself. There must be something wrong with me that this happened. And then, unfortunately, uh, the Navy family who adopted me did not realize that the state of Rhode Island, who took over the adoption from Florida, was going to require them to buy a house and settle down. And they had always traveled together. Their life was together. So this new mother was now landed in a house while her husband went off and, you know, and did his sea duties and in right. various parts of the world. She was not happy with that, and she took to drinks, which was wow. another, you know, yeah, second whammy. Yeah, deal with, yeah. Absolutely. And again, not something you could talk about. So how did you end up getting out of that situation? Was it just when you, when you got to... Uh... It's when I had my own two daughters in my mid-20s. I married early. I was 19, out of the frying pan, into the fire. Um, I had two wonderful daughters, and I began to want to know. I wanted to know. I wanted to go back and find out. I, I remembered my foster mother, and I remembered that she had put a little address on the back of a photograph. And I contacted that address, and somehow she got that letter. I uh, wrote, uh, with, you know, we wrote back and forth for a while, and eventually I went back to Florida, went back and um, went into went with the agency that had, had handled me. They refused to help me. Finally, I talked to an attorney. He said, go to the clerk of the court and see if you'll share your information. And what I got were my parents' first names, because I didn't know their first names. I knew they were Ray very common name in the South. It was just as easy as looking up in the Miami phone book, and there was my father's name, my biological father's name. What was that like, you know, being given up 25 years? Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, I, I picked up the phone and called. I didn't think a thing. Of, I hadn't even planned what I was going to say. And I heard my, my man answer, and I heard myself saying, um, I'm a friend um, looking for the father of a friend of mine. And he said, um, well, who's, who's your, the friend? And I said, Carol May Ray, which was the name I was born with. And there was this pause, and he said, is this Carol May? And I said, yes. That's how easy it was <laughs> to find them. And now a lot of people go through a lot more than that. But I love the but, way you did that, though. I mean, that just, it seems like the only way that would work is you, you just do it. Because if you sat there and thought about it, you would have, you know, God knows what you could have got up, be afraid of. Instead, by just doing it, you... Yeah. And was that going through all you went through in your youth? You finally got to the point, hey, I got to take care of myself. And sometimes that means just doing stuff that's uncomfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I finally, um, after an unsuccessful marriage, although we made wonderful parents, we never, ever played our kids against each other. Never. Uh, We were much better parents than we were partners. But I finally said to myself, there's only one person that can take care of me, and that's me. You know, and it is a wonderful thing, too, and has to be, you know, you talk about cathartic, is having children and not making the same mistakes that were made with you and so forth and giving them something that you didn't have and probably always dreamed of. And what a wonderful thing for them. And it seems like that would be just a kind of a great way to uh, kind of fight some of those demons. I think so. I, I like to think that I gave them what I didn't have. Yeah. Um, Security, I right? Mother- Right, I gave. I, I was. The, I tried to be the kind of mother that I had wanted, that I'd never had. Now, now, saving Grace that I did have was a wonderful. In fact, her name was Grace. That last foster mother I had was from Britain. 
she was wonderful. And I had started to bond for the first time in my life. At age seven, I was bonding with another human being. And, and the tragedy of that is that she tried to adopt me, but they told her she was too old. Wow. And, uh, you know, they took me and put me in the orphanage. They wanted me, the state wanted me out of Florida because my biological father kept coming and grabbing me, running away with me, came into my first grade classroom, threatened to kill the teacher in front of all the kids, and took me, off he took me. And I remember going with him and thinking, this is fun, but also knowing there's something not quite right with that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, when I came back to that classroom, um, I was a pariah, and the kids didn't want anything to do with me because he had terrorized them. So I yeah. have some very close friends that are foster parents, and, in fact, they're actually the supervisors of other soft foster parents. And this really resonated with me because it's so important, and we don't think about the importance of foster children and so forth. You know, it's something that isn't talked about a whole lot. But boy, like you're saying, it makes such a huge difference in getting it the did. right people. That, absolutely. That one person that I had, um, you know, I started, as I said, I started to bond with her, and that made a lot of difference. Then when I was adopted, I had a new grandmother who kind of resembled her, and I was able to transfer some of those warm feelings to this new grandmother. Wow, that's that's so, terrific. I mean, that really is. That was is. some continuity, yeah. And in fact, I now live in that that adopted grandmother's cottage on the bay. Well, beautiful property that the state of Rhode Island made them buy to provide me with a home. More with Carol Anderhagen, also known as Carol May Ray, author of Writing Down Cancer and Born Child, both published by Finishing Line Press, in just a moment. This is Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Xavier Mortimer, magician. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-344-2066. 800-344-2066. That's 800-344-2066. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt. Your shoulder hurts. Your elbow and back are constantly killing you. And I'm sure you've tried every pain pill or cream available at the drugstore. Am I right? Well, here's something you haven't tried. Pain Magic. Pain Magic is not available at any drugstore. The only place you can get it is by calling the special toll-free number I'm about to give you. And to make things even better, call right now and find out about our buy one, get one free offer. We're so confident it'll work for you that we offer a free bottle with your purchase. No prescription required. 
Call now to learn how you can get pain magic and get rid of your pain. Remember, your results may vary. 800-419-1971. 800-419-1971. That's 800-419-1971. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We are talking to Carol Anderhagen, also known as Carol May Ray. She's the author of a couple of great books, Writing Down Cancer and Born Child. So, okay, so we're going through all that now. You, you know, you kind of like like we said before, you raised two great children. While the marriage didn't work, you guys did the important thing, which was to, to handle it correctly with the, you know, not letting the it children. affect the children. So that's really good. So people think, okay, we kind of we slayed those dragons. And then on the age of 50, which is very young, you get the diagnosis of breast cancer. And did all mm. that idea of this, tra- oh, my God, another tragedy, what is going on? And was that P- PTSD again when that hits? Not, No, not really. It didn't. Um, it was just a, a terrible event. It was a frightening, very frightening event. You know, it, you yeah. get a diagnosis of cancer and you feel like, wow, you're, you're going to die any minute. You, you do recover from that. Now, I was very fortunate. It was a stage one breast cancer. Um, you know, cancer is staged, and when you get up to the stage four, then you're, you're in serious, serious trouble. Yeah. Um, so back then, in 1990, the, um, they were starting to do, instead of t- doing mastectomies, they were doing lumpectomies with radiation. But I was very leery of the radiation because they really didn't have that like they have it now. It's very finely tuned, and it doesn't cause as many side effects mm-hmm. as it did back then. So I opted for the bigger surgery, and it was not easy. It was not easy, but um, I had poetry. You know, I had a way of venting my feelings, of describing what was happening to me. Uh, in that, that book, Writing Down Cancer, the second poem is called The Art of Telling, and I describe very, just very realistically exactly how the doctor told me and held my hand and gently laid me down and held my hand and cradled my heart. That's exactly how, and in fact, I continued to see him for 25 years until he retired. It's, and again, that shows just the importance of caregivers. And I always feel like people go, oh, it doesn't really matter what their personalities are. I think exactly the opposite. I think that helps you get better. You get The, the right personality for you is so important because you had to fight this thing. Once he told you, now right. you had to fight it, right? Right. Well, you know, I actually, this is a very strange thing, and I I do tell people this from time to time. I know people refer to it as a battle and you've got to fight it. And I tried working with that metaphor in myself, but you know what I finally concluded? These were cells of my body, but they were, they needed to go. Right. And so I, I developed an attitude of, look, guys, you're part of me, but you're, it's time for you to go. You shouldn't be in my body now. You're in you're in the wrong body, and you need to go. And I'm going to love you away. What a great really. way to look at it. And is that kind of tie in with the poetry? True, by putting those feelings down on paper and letting them kind of the artistic, creative side of you work with it. It kind of gets you in touch with that. That's that's really right. kind of a, a fascinating, and it seems like an enlightened way to look at it. Well, I like to think it is, but again, remember, I had a very early diagnosis. Um, I did not have to have uh, chemotherapy and, and some of the really tough things that people go go through. I don't know if 
if I could maintain that attitude, but, but it was the attitude that worked for me. And I went out also, and I'm, I'm very, um, uh, I symbolized a lot of things. I went out and bought myself a pink notebook. You know how we, we, mm-hmm. speak, we speak of ourselves being in the pink? Right. We're in the pink. We feel good. Well, I bought myself a pink notebook. I divided it into sections. One section was a write-up of each time I went to a doctor. I wrote it up so that if my daughters came by, they could read it. I didn't have to go over it all, and um, it worked for me. I had my documents in there, any tests and so forth. Right. Now, it wasn't easy. I make it sound like it easy. Emotionally, it was very difficult. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was very scary. And then I had to get used to a different body configuration, too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> One-breasted is a little different than two-breasted. Right. And, it, you know, it's something you can't imagine, but I guess there's the kind of that whole process of, like, like you said, just in the same way that you said, okay, you got to go, it's kind of, all right, th- this is the new me, you know, this is what we're right. going to do, you know. Right. Well, I, I love this, and I really, uh, I think these books, both of them, are a great idea for people to get because it's really more than, you know, a lot of people read poetry, and we're always kind of fascinated by the way people can turn a phrase and kind of an artistic look at something. But but I think people will get some of the same feelings from this that you got it might not apply to cancer maybe it's something else maybe it's another thing they're dealing with but it's that whole way of expressing yourself through a, a very right. i think a gentle way of, of dealing with something that needs to be dealt with well i like to think so um and i also like to think that the poetry i write is not obscure mm-hmm. it's i'm not a poet's poet i'm a person's poet i write poetry so that other people can understand it it doesn't need bongo drums in the back to, you know. It, it, yeah, no. exactly. And you don't have to go looking up words in the dictionary. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. a lot of poets get very involved with the sort of, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. They're looking for a word that describes it, but if, if nobody knows what that word means, have they really accomplished that? Right. So I, I, I wonder if you, you could indulge me, Steve, and yeah. let me just read to, to prove my point. Absolutely. Let me read. I love the it. Uh, art of telling, the art of telling, the one I referred to about the doctor. It's, this is the poem. You took my hands and tenderly told me it was malignant. This mass, this tugging sensation I felt last fall. Cells gone awry, doing some crazy dance, out of step, out of sync. My breath, the dance floor. You held my back and gently laid me down and held my hand while we discussed how to stop this crazy music, this dance gone awry. Yes, you held both hands and thereby gently cradled my heart. If I'm the doctor, you couldn't write anything nicer. I mean, this is something he should put he should put up on his wall because that is so important. I mean, what, what a great statement for that person as well. Well, yes, and you know, he wrote one of the blurbs on the back of the book for me. And he said, uh, through her eyes, meaning me, I learned so much about a woman's experience as she dealt with a potentially life-threatening illness. A wonderful man. We were both in tears the last time I saw him before he retired. A couple of questions before we go, though, I I did want to ask you. And it's Mm -hmm. one for, if people are going through these type of things, like you talked about keeping a journal. Now, I guess it's up to everybody what works for them, but I would think, I have heard... The people that keep a journal like that, it's really um, helpful to be able to write things down because sometimes even writing things down, 
it doesn't seem even as scary once you're looking in and writing. I right. guess it could be the other way, too. But Yeah, I, I do think it, it kind of relieves you of it. And it also, you, put, you take it out of yourself and you put it onto a page. So you're not carrying it around as heavily anymore. Yeah. You're kind of relieving yourself of the experience and you're moving on a little bit. I, I think it's so important that people... You know, when they go in for that type of thing, when you're talking about an issue, a life and death type of issue like that, you want somebody, either you want to do it and, like you say, you listen to it and you got to write it down because it's so awful, or bring somebody that's going to write it down because I, I, it's just so easy to forget things or whatever. And you need to know that as you go along, you know, because it's part of that, how am I going to deal with this? Right, right. Well, and it's also helpful to others. I'd like to think that this little writing down cancer book would would be helpful to the next woman who maybe, or even man, because men um, are involved. It's, breast cancer is a family illness in a way. It affects everybody oh, in the family. Yeah. Any kind of cancer will certainly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and Born Child is a, is a great book too because uh, you know it's it's not as specific obviously as uh, writing down cancer, but it. I think the two go really well together. You might as well get both of them because I think they go really well together and it's just a matter of two different types of issues to deal with. Right. Thank you. I actually, once I started down this process of, of wanting to talk out loud more about it with people like yourself, I realized, yeah, they're kind of a pair. They're my, my two, um, the two issues in my life that have survived. It's a, a sort of survival handbook in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Are you going to do any more? Oh yes, well, um, I have another another one in mind. Uh, yet, we, I find I have to have a a vision, um, something toward work toward, and the, the latest is a, a title called "Visits Here, There, and Elsewhere," um, based on the theory that we really all all of us are only visiting here on this planet. We're visitors, so we'll see what comes up comes from that. Um, the books are available through Finishing Line Press, which is the publisher, and my website is my name I was born with. The name I was given when I was born was Carol May Ray, C-A-R-O-L-M-A-E-R-A-Y.com. You could just Google one of the titles of the books and you would find my website, you know, in the Google list. Oh, you, and you I absolutely should. I mean, you, there's great stuff there. It'll make you want to buy the book. It's easy to do that. And plus, your current name uh, is a tough one to spell. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> right. So just, 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 just Google born child or writing down cancer. When I was adopted, I became Carol Ann Smith, but then I got married to an Ander Hagen. And because my children were Ander Hagen, I kept Ander Hagen. Um, I thought it was a little more distinguished than Smith. Well, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And uh, well, when you see how it's written, it's not what you think it would be. So, uh, again, no, yeah. I've gotten some strange, some strange uh, 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 Alexa. Um, you know the, the Amazon yeah. thing you can talk to. She calls it um, Anda Wagon. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, they mis they mispronounce my name too, so I am very yeah, very sympathetic <laughs> to that. One more time, right. Born Child Writing Down Cancer. Go there; it'll lead to her website. And they're great books. I I, I think uh, if you're scared of the idea of a poetry book, and you hear that once in a while, don't be. You'll, it's, and I'm so glad you had a chance, Carol, to read that because they're they're like that's how these are. They're very uh, easy to read. It, 
and it's, it's not simplistic. I don't mean that, but it's just no. you, you can go through it, and you don't want to put it down quickly. Right. I hope people will find their feelings in there, as I found my feelings in writing poetry. Well, please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, which includes Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchie reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Oh, Vegas, here we go! Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national healthcare alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-896-7012. That's 800-896-7012. Holy gentle giants, dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it, flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait, what's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia? Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airlines travel it's that easy so call now and start packing call right now 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 800-267-1806 that's 800-267-1806